Imagine a world where innovation knows no bounds. At BAE Systems Fast Labs, we're pioneering advanced technology and defense research, shaping the future of safety and security. Explore our website to uncover a realm of cutting-edge projects, collaborations, and visionary thinkers. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a defender of freedom, or just curious, Fast Labs is where groundbreaking solutions are born. Join us and be part of the future today. Visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, we are going to discuss digital transformation and what it means from an industry perspective as we move toward this concept of all-domain operations. Before I introduce my guest, I want to put a plug in for our upcoming AOC 2021 Symposium and Trade Show happening here in Washington, D.C. on November 30th to December 2nd. Not surprisingly, the theme for this year's show is all-domain operations, integrating effects across the spectrum. From the Crow's Nest will be there, and we'll be interviewing a number of the speakers in attendance, and we'll be releasing a flurry of episodes that week so that you won't want to miss. To learn more and to register, please visit crows.org slash 2021 home. All right, my guest today is Mr. Ryan Tintner, Vice President of Digital Transformation at Northrop Grumman. Ryan, it's great to have you on From the Crow's Nest. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, digital transformation. This is a topic that it applies differently depending on what you're focusing on from a network perspective and even a service perspective. So really appreciate having you on the show. And, and, and we want to talk a little bit about how industry is adapting to this because it's one thing to talk about how the military is transforming itself, but everything that they do certainly has a direct link to how industry needs to respond. And so it's great to have you on the show. To begin the conversation, though, I want to kind of start to define what digital transformation is from an industry perspective. In previous episodes that we've had on From the Crow's Nest, we've talked JADC2, we've talked in artificial intelligence, we've talked machine learning, we've talked open systems architecture, service strategies, everything that you know, we've talked about has a digital transformation angle to it. So from an industry perspective, could you define a little bit about what that means in terms of today's military fight and the threats that we face around the world. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, I think you're right. Digital transformation in some ways is a loaded term. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. And we have to put that in kind of a definition there. So high level, you know, to me, digital transformation is really how an organization or a group integrates technology, people and processes to do everything faster and more effective. And when you say more effective for us at North Grumman, and really, I think for the industry at large within defense, it's all about the mission, right? So what is the actual mission impact we're trying to get to? And then understanding through the use of information, through the use of the latest in technology, how can we get there in a much more effective way? Now, when you mentioned that, you know, the mission, the mission is constantly changing too. If you look at what you know, the Army's going through or the Air Force or Space Force now, their mission today is a lot different than it was even just five years ago in terms of what is required to them. And as you look forward, it's going to keep changing. So how does industry keep pace with understanding the mission needs of their customers? Yeah, the reality is, I think, as we all know, 
change is changing faster and faster, right? And so we need to be able to, to think further ahead and think faster than we ever have before. I know we spend a lot of time with our customers thinking about future missions and thinking about the future threat, trying to model what is that. Where information has been in the past, I think people model those first order effects, what is needed to defeat a certain threat or what is needed to meet a certain requirement. Where we have to get to now is modeling and using information to look at second and third order effects because the the pace at which the mission is changing, I like how you put that, is forcing us to think a lot further down the road. The budget environment requires us to do it. And frankly, the pace of the threat requires us to do it. So there's a couple of things coming together all at the same time. And I think it's on us in industry to help bring forward the concepts in digital transformation to allow our customer to look at their mission and really decide how we're going to go to proceed as a team together. So when you mentioned that the concepts of digital transformation, what are some of the concepts that you're looking at? So it's all about information and data and how we use it together. And it really wasn't until the last number of years here that where technology and data and the cloud and really all those concepts have come together so that we can actually tackle information together. So conceptually, getting to the point where we share our information and have a framework where it's not just our information, it's really a collective information that's shared by the community, fundamental piece of digital transformation. We talk about the ideas of having the authoritative sources of truth of information. In the past, people may have considered, what is the authoritative source of truth within my set of information? We need to come to a joint realization that the authoritative source of truth of information that we're talking about may exist in someone else's hands. So we need to start tackling the concepts that you mentioned earlier, open architecture, intellectual property. How does this all exist in the future? And I think the access that the necessity to access shared information is going to require that we we change a bit of how we think. It's interesting that the way that you put it with authoritative sources of information and, and where that might reside, because when you deal with ubiquitous data, it's everywhere and anywhere, and you need to collect that, and you're not exactly sure what you're looking at or maybe the the, the quality of information, but you have to be prepared for it being able to analyze it and provide that to your force and make sure and verify whether or not that's an authoritative source of information to be able to act upon it. So you mentioned modeling. How difficult is it to model? Like, okay, here's what we're going to try to do in terms of collecting all this data and figuring out what to do with it. And then how do we most efficiently provide it to our customers to let, let them give them a capability that they can actually use that information to successfully execute a mission? Yeah, I think you're right. It's quite challenging. The thing that makes it challenging is that it's not a problem that a single organization can tackle by themselves, right? We have to recognize that we're in this together. We've got to tackle it together. The other realization that we've had is there have been a variety of, you know, large programs that have started to tackle this problem. How do you really model things before you start to build them? Because you don't want to get into building things before you've looked at those second and third order effects. The realization that we've had is you can't do this again and again for every program and every customer pursuit out there. We need a strategy that we begin to, as a joint team between industry and the government, start to build on the foundations of information sharing. How do we actually have a strategy for trust of information, right? And once you have it, we, we talk a lot these days about cyber and about you know information protection. That's fundamental here. We have to know that the information that we're providing is the right information right? It hasn't been altered um, and that we trust it. 
and it's got to make its way from the designers through to the operational information. The other way that you do this is making sure that we have constant re-verification and validation. So if you think about a program that goes in models from the very beginning, let's say you're modeling before you even put a bid in to help your customer know that the solution that you're offering, you need, you need to have really trusted information that this is the right impact. And so we go, we share that through. When we actually go over the course of months and, and years, let's go validate and verify it so that we build trust into the system. You mentioned strategies and there was an Air Force vision, I guess, that was released earlier this year. There's, of course, the electromagnetic spectrum superiority strategy, JADC2 strategy. There's a couple strategies on digital transformation for the Army out recently. All of these strategies in some way or another talk about collaborating better with industry. What are some of the things that have been done that have kind of opened the door to being able to better collaborate and accomplish some of the things that you just mentioned? There have been a, a number of things that have happened, and I'll stress here that digital transformation didn't start this year because, you know, the term has come out. It's been going on for a long time, you know, in the introduction of the way that we do CAD models, right? The way that we do computer-aided really everything. So we've come a long way, and one of the things that we've done for many years is start to have standards and come up with standards. But what happens, and I think even folks in the government are worried about, there are so many standards right? At some point, you need to go and have some commonality here. And one of the places we've been working closely with the government is there there are a number of people similar to Northrop who are very committed to digital transformation and coming up with standards. We don't want to have six different standards. So how do we come together and define those elements that really need to be the same and agree that this information means something and we mean the same thing by it? So that is something that it is on us as industry with our industry partners here too, to come together and say, there are places where we need to decide this is not a competitive area. This is a, we're coming together and we owe it to the government to say, here's the way we want to proceed in certain areas that will help tremendously. But the second thing that when I think about some of the best successes in the early areas of digital transformation, when you start to have all this information available, the desire is that you communicate it, right? And it becomes available naturally. That's a bit of a paradigm shift. And I always say, I am willing to over-communicate this information. I'll make it all available. But now everyone else has to promise not to overreact to that information. That's a cultural shift. And at the core of digital transformation and at the core of a shift in how we think about information is culture. Hello, everyone. I want to take a short break to thank BAE Systems Fast Labs for the continued support for our From the Crow's Nest podcast. I am pleased to be here today with Bill Watson, Chief Scientist at BAE Systems Fast Labs. Bill, it's great to be here with you. Now, BAE Systems Fast Labs is BAE Systems Research and Development and Production Organization. Can you tell us a little bit about Fast Labs as well as your background? Yes, and thank you for having me. BAE Systems Fast Labs is dedicated to innovating disruptive next-generation solutions for the critical defense and intelligence challenges. Of course, electronic warfare is one of our key focus areas, but in addition to that, we also do research in autonomy and AI, sensing and response, advanced microelectronics, communications, and navigation. I've been working in the RF, that is radio frequency research community, for over 20 years, a short time in the United States Air Force, followed by specific research and development. My work in the last 20 years has been singularly focused on DARPA research, 
and within the last 10 years at BAE Systems Fast Lab specifically. Technology we work on spans sensor processing through high-level sense making up to tactical and operational level autonomy and decision-making support. And one of the key differentiators about BA Fast Labs is the research that we do uh, is intended to find its way to benefit the warfighter. This has been an important topic through many of our recent episodes here on From the Crow's Nest. Can you talk a little bit more about that technology? And for our audience, how does it change or affect our EW capabilities that we're trying to field? In our work with leading uh, DoD customers like DARPA or AFRL, we focus on developing technologies that will uh, advance future solutions from overcoming today's challenges to developing technologies never before thought to be possible. We then transition our technology to feelable products to benefit our warfighters through partnership with BA Systems Electronic Systems product lines. As a specific example, I thought I'd use a movie you may or may not be familiar with. It was called Battle Los Angeles. It was from 2011. And in that movie, aliens had, had invaded. And what the characters in the movie found is that whenever they keyed their microphones on their radios, they could be easily geolocated and targeted. What the movie presented as science fiction for us is, in fact, science fact. This is the type of technology that we work on and exist today where the physics meets the real world. This sounds like absolutely fascinating work. What is the next area that you see for research and development? And if anyone is interested in learning more, how can they reach out to you? Well, we can't say too much because of the sensitivity of our work at classification levels. But in Fast Labs, we are always working on the future state. No matter what the future threats are, we will continue to focus on solving the hardest problems to benefit the warfighter. If you're interested in more information about Fast Labs, you can connect with us on our website at basystems.com slash fastlabs. Well, thank you, Bill, for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest. And now it's time to get back to our show. It's a good segue. This might be a little bit of a roundabout way of getting to the next question, but I think that it's really important when you talk about culture and the effect that information has on culture. And you can see this a few episodes ago, we had on David Weinberger, we talked about artificial intelligence and machine learning and how that is changing our ability to think about problems and figure out solutions from a industry standpoint, as well as a social cultural standpoint, because we can kind of see things that we never used to be able to see from more traditional methods. Could you talk a little bit about how artificial intelligence and machine learning, how that is changing, not just what we understand to be digital transformation today, but the effect that it's having on that culture of being able to anticipate kind of where the customer is going, where the threat is going. Yeah, artificial intelligence, it's a reality. It's a game changer. And when you think about in the past, and I'm sure you all discussed it, the, the way that the OODA loop uh, works across this, you know, observe, orient, decide, act, that loop in the past used to be discrete steps that you would walk through. Right, and then you would go back and you'd start to to continue. Now, as the solutions are using artificial intelligence here to proceed in a much faster way, the definition of speed is completely changed. Right, but as we start to develop systems with artificial intelligence, and as the adversary is reacting using concepts of artificial intelligence, I liken it to the markets. Right, when the market started having you know, computers involved in trading and the, the emergent properties of a system that, that happens forces us to think completely differently. But but when you also think back to when some of the earlier 
automated technologies were introduced into sensors. I remember electro-optical cameras could be steered and it used to be all manual, but then they started adding in some automation into the systems and, and, and uh, automatic detection. Culturally, people don't know how to handle that and you don't want to trust it. We talked about trust earlier. I think how we integrate that into our life cycle, both into our lives and into our mission life cycle, uh, is something that you can't take for granted. Uh, it's something that you may, may be able to look at technically on paper and say, this is the right way to go. At the end of the day, it's all about the people. And it's all about helping us be smarter, move faster. I remember a long time ago, the, the concept of we're swimming in sensors and drowning in data. Right? It's the same thing here. How do we take all the information we have and not just have more information, but better information? When you think about the mission, and I started off this by saying all of our requirements for the way we look at digital transformation is based on the mission effect. At the end of the day, there's information that's provided to somebody who's going to do a very important mission. That's got to be crisp and correct. And the best way is to be able to have taken all of the data that came in and really assess it to its core. And that's going to require us to use things like artificial intelligence. And it's also going to rapidly speed up the requirements for decision making. So, you know, you have to be able to make a decision probably faster than any human has really made a decision in the past and be able to integrate that into the workforce structure that you have, whether it's in, in, in the military or in the field or in industry itself. So from a workforce standpoint, how do the workforces have to come together, though, on digital transformation? Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to think about it from a technology standpoint, but the people themselves have to interact. Could you talk a little bit about how the workforces have to collaborate? If you look at the classical way programs or large programs within the DoD have gone, there's your typical cycle from conceptual design to reviews to each of the steps that you go after. Um, and a lot of that has occurred and create a product, hand off a product, review a product. We are getting to a point, we're already there, where things happen collaboratively. So the idea of how we how we collaboratively design and review and get that feedback, it breaks a lot of the standard ways we know how to work together. We have a standard sort of contract of how we build a product, hand off a product, and review a product. And I think everyone's comfortable with it because it's very well understood. It's very serial. We know how to get to a step, validate a step, and move on. Culturally, the idea of being in a, a more sort of open source community one where the feedback is asynchronous and we haven't necessarily completed every step before the next one started. It's a place that feels uncomfortable for a lot of people. It also has some massive advantages. And we have to get to that point where we're comfortable operating that way, but also working together to understand what guardrails do we need to put in place so that we can actually proceed together. One of the things you mentioned in a previous question that I wanted to go back to was this notion of sustainment. In a previous episode, when we talked about open systems architecture, one of the topics that came up was how do you have standards, but still, you know, how, what does that mean for sustainment moving forward? Because life cycle costs of technology and, and systems is a huge chunk of what DOD is spending money on. We all oftentimes think of new technology. You know, What are you throwing out into the field in the next year or two that's going to help the warfighter? But then we have to sustain that oftentimes for decades. How is industry tackling the question of sustainment of technologies and capabilities that are critical to digital transformation for the next 10 to 15 years? Sure. So I'll tackle that in two pieces. There is technology that has yet to be designed 
and there's technology that already exists, both of which need the support of digital transformation, but you have to attack them a little differently. So for new technology, I talked a little bit about designing in the model. And what we need to be doing is designing in models that take into account sustainment of systems. And that's hard, right? Because you need to actually be able to model everything in the early periods. You have a lot of processing, a lot of concepts that need to be taken into account. And by the way, you also need some degree of verification and validation so that you know that these impacts that you're looking at are true. But when you do that, for our customer's sake, we need to be looking at this before the final requirements are set. In a lot of cases, we will have had requirements that are set. We go design, develop, and move forward, but we haven't truly considered the entire sustainment impact. And as most people know, there's tremendous cost in a program tied to the sustainment phases. So we can be a lot uh, more effective by thinking about these items much earlier on. But at the same point, both for new technology as well as for existing technology, we want to be able to make much smarter sustainment decisions based on the information that exists. So that gets us toward the digital twin where for new technology, we can be thinking proactively about a digital twin where we can continue to simulate and understand our physical systems using a virtual representation. But you can even do things like this for existing systems that are out there. And there's a variety of examples already, but this is somewhere kind of similar to the way the auto industry has gone. If we're smarter about predictive maintenance, if we understand how our systems are reacting. And if we can even model out DMS and PQ die on systems, so diminishing material supply of capabilities on there, when is the right time to refresh? It's not just at a certain prescribed uh, time frame like we've done in the past, but let's be really smart about what and when and how we refresh. You can have tremendous impacts, uh, positive impacts for sustainment. Could you talk a little bit about what digital transformation means for our understanding of electromagnetic warfare? Obviously, this is AOC's mission, and this is why we're having the podcast, but I want to make sure that we do address it specifically because when we talk information, we're talking a wide range of capabilities and everything. But, you know, from electromagnetic warfare, it, it's something that's kind of the almost an electromagnetic spectrum operation is almost the backbone of a lot of what we want to do, making sure that we can maneuver in the electromagnetic spectrum. And that has huge implications for digital transformation. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Of course. Electronic warfare, electromagnetic spectrum warfare. I think it's one of the preeminent examples of where we must accelerate into digital transformation. A couple of things are going on within EW right now. What classically had been different sensors and different domains of electronic warfare, especially now with the technology that's advancing within RF technology, those are all converging. So now you have lots of collectors of information and effectors of information out there. And we need to be bringing it all together so that we have a shared understanding of what the environment looks like. And that, similar to JADC2 that you discussed earlier, and similar to the general concepts of digital transformation, we need to get our arms around understanding where information exists, what is the authoritative source of truth of it, and getting it together quickly. We also look at the battle space right now between us trying to rapidly develop our electronic warfare capabilities and the adversary equally quickly, if not even at a faster pace, adapting what they have there. And you talked about artificial intelligence. How do we get ahead of the loop here? We have got to leapfrog where our adversary is going. And I don't think we're going to do it iteratively. And digital transformation is really at the core of it. What we need to do is go from an EW, what was 
rapid reprogrammability. How do we go and get new definitions that we, we want to get much further forward? We want to be able to collect the information that's out there in real time. We want to have the algorithms running in real time, right? But ultimately, we need to get much smarter, much faster, and be able to simulate this so that we can leapfrog. So you mentioned earlier a, a little bit about partnerships, and you mentioned you know that obviously you're going to have competition in the marketplace, but there's so much going on on the digital transformation front that it really goes beyond competition. I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunity out there for industry to work together in new ways to meet the needs of the customers. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about specifically what types of partnerships are out there and how you're working together. Yeah, we, we're absolutely tackling this as a team. Uh, and I talked about that a little bit earlier. The partnerships really exist amongst, I'll call it the, the primes, right? They need to exist across the entire supply chain at all levels, and it needs to exist with our customer. And part of that cultural shift, which I've, I've been watching happening in a great way, is us all coming together as a team. Plenty of examples out there now where one company builds a component that integrates with another company or their platform, and then figuring out how we don't wait until the government pushes people together to go integrate. We take the models of what we're building. We take the information. We connect the systems. Plenty of examples out there, even in the open press, where we have a lot of success by doing the digital integration earlier and then getting downstream faster. And that's going to become the norm going forward and not the exception. It doesn't come without its pains, right? We are challenging the, the norms of intellectual property and people naturally thinking about, I will only give the information if it's an exception versus let me give all the information unless there's an exception as to why I don't need to give the information. It challenges those norms for probably good reasons. We always stop ourselves before we, we push information out the door. That's sort of at the integration level, but I'll talk the other side of it, which is one of the things that takes development a long time is when one company within the supply chain develops something, finally delivers it, passes it up, passes it across. We need to get to the point, and we are already there, where we are designing together in a shared system. We are integrating virtually together in a shared system. And unfortunately, it's only getting harder with the cyber threats and with the, the concerns today that are very real, and we have to take extremely seriously. So. While the digital transformation community is pushing hard to say, share more information, the cyber community is also saying there's more and more risk out there. So there's a balance that we need to work together and it's happening. We're working closely together, but it's more and more challenging every day to make sure we provide and protect. So last question here, how do you prioritize then where to focus corporate efforts on digital transformation? I mean, it, listening to what, what you're talking about, it almost feels like it's very easy to almost give yourself whiplash trying to you know keep up with everything that's coming in and having to get out to the customer and stuff. So how do you prioritize that? And, and where do you see the value line moving forward with digital transformation? Yeah, you very quickly in digital transformation can define an ocean to go and boil. There's a lot for us to do and it's all really critical. The approach that we've taken is we took a while and really mapped it all out. And here's everything you could go do, and here's why. But we need to decide what the focus areas are going to be. And for us, we look at the mission first. Right? We look at talk to the customers. We spend a lot of time talking with our customers, understanding what are the biggest impact we want to go after together. And when you look at the mission space that's coming up and some of the bigger challenges, 
we map value. You can map value in many different ways, but we're mapping it to really our customers' needs and our customers' requirements. And very quickly, you'll get to things like, I need to be transformational in the way the program life cycle flows, right? And when you trace that out, it has great impacts in all the other value areas that you could consider for your customer for how much they can achieve. That's where we need to tackle first. Because if you try and tackle something that is something different, if you try and tackle you know, getting cost out of a system or doing something there, you're not gonna achieve the final objective. So really we, we start with the mission and then we go from there. And I actually lied that that was not the last question. This will be the last question, <laughs> but I wanted to follow up on that. You know, as you prioritize kind of what you focus on in digital transformation, what do you see as necessary for DOD to continue to do from a transformation perspective or culture change perspective that's going to be necessary for industry to be successful in its efforts to move digital transformation forward? I think the the government has a lot of initiatives going on to help us come together on standards. And I think it's going to be critical that we together with the government's leadership come together on some of the standards that we need. It's not about prescribing everyone using the exact same tool in the exact same environments because that will ultimately stifle some of the innovation that industry is often doing. Every company out there now is working on their own innovation. We spend a lot of time and money to try and bring value forward in digital transformation innovation, and we don't want that to stop. But I do think we need to make some good decisions on the standards within each of the domains that will help us move forward together. That in and of itself will help us to start sharing information. I'd say everything right now needs to be focused on making sure that we can share information effectively so that we can jointly model our environments. We can jointly understand uh, the situation that is out there. Really, a lot of this is about us having access and understanding all the information that's out there so that we can catch decisions earlier. We can make smarter decisions earlier. And that really leads me to this one other point about what the government, really the partnership of us with the government can do. And that's when we think about requirements. We need to continue to come up with a way to have the necessary flexibility in requirements. We'll call them objectives, not requirements. Uh, Now, that challenges the contracts community, but we need to make sure that we set up an environment where we can be agile, right? We want to be able to move forward, use our information, and when we realize the path that we've been going down will not lead to the mission objective that we were planning on, whether it's sustainment costs, whether it's probability of detection, that we have the flexibility within our ecosystem to adapt very quickly. And I think when I talked about everything deriving from the mission, that's really the key. And I encourage and and I see great leadership within the government right now that we empower leaders both within industry and the government, that when we see something that's not heading in that direction, not achieving the result, that we empower people to make the changes they need to change. That ultimately is what digital transformation and Agile is all about. Great. Well, thank you, Ryan, for joining me on From the Crow's Nest. I appreciate you taking time and and talking about this very complex issue and and breaking it down for us and look forward to uh, talking with you again in the future. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the opportunity. That will conclude this episode of From the Crow's Nest. I want to thank my guest, Ryan Tintner from Northrop Grumman for joining me. It was a great conversation and one that we will be continuing with future guests here on From the Crow's Nest. To learn more about the AOC, please visit our website at crows.org. Thank you for listening.
Fast Labs, powered by BAE Systems, is at the forefront of advanced technology and defense research, development, and production. They're pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and innovating for a safer world. Check them out at www.baesystems.com/fastlabs.